Welcome to a Drop Tent Media Production. The Porcupine with Adam Nutter. Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Welcome to The Porcupine. I'm Adam Nutter. You know that. Hey. Uh, but a good bunch of shows coming up. It'd be fun on the road and all that. Uh, let's see. What is the we're live? So, oh yeah. So my helium, not helium. Fucking punchline date got pushed back till May. Supposed to be there tomorrow. Sorry, <laughs> it's May third now. Uh, so May third, punchline Philly, but that's two months away. Um, we got a bunch of local stuff coming up. I'm trying to think of important stuff that I care about more. Uh, March twenty fourth, twenty fifth, end of this month. Be in Colorado uh, with Robbie the Fire Bernstein at Steamboat Springs with our boy Kyle Ruff. It's going to be a fucking banger of a show. Two nights, Friday, Saturday. Tickets are probably available now, I would assume. I got them on, the, on my website, but they're for sure available uh, on Steamboat's website for sure. That's going to be fun. And then April 6th, uh, Delaware LP convention. April 7th, I may be doing the Maryland LP convention. Not sure yet. May 13th, Georgia LP convention. Fucking doing the circuit, baby. <laughs> so coming out, I also have other, again, local shows, uh, traveling for other shit. Uh, I think I'm going to try to hit Texas later this year. The West, California. Uh, first of all, uh, Josh Smith wants to go out there and do a show out there. That'll be fun. So a bunch of stuff coming up. Uh, go check out The Cult of Us, of course. Yay. Uh, YouTube.com slash Cult of Us for that. Okay, fun. I'm done with that. So my guest today, you guys know him. You guys love him for the Outlawed Thoughts podcast. My man, my polar bear <laughs> instead of brother bear. Give it up for Leighton Radner, everybody. <sighs> yeah. Um, yeah, polar bear is definitely, I think, more apt. Well, Alaska, until you move, you're going to be the polar bear. <laughs> when, you, when you move to the lower, then you'll be a brother bear. <laughs> uh, yeah, I... Um... We don't have a ton of polar bears up here. Everybody thinks that. Alaska's no, I, know, like, I know you don't. It's grizzly bears and stuff or whatever, like the Kodiak brown bears, right? Yeah, the real yeah. bears you got to worry about are Kodiak bears. Yeah. Those things are fucking inhuman. Yeah, they're <laughs> they're, so, but polar bears are bigger, right? They're the biggest bears in the world, polar bears. Well, they are, but when you start to look at things like uh, fat storage and stuff, like Kodiak brown bears have an insane like just strength rating compared to all these other bears because even though they're not bigger than them they have muscle mass that's larger so they can look smaller and still be like just it's because uh kodiak bears are bigger and they basically became their own subspecies because they ate so much salmon and had no competition in oh, the yeah, food market you know, I, yeah, yes right right I did, and I so these are that. just bears that have salmon and so they're just <laughs> as big as you can possibly get a bear like within the evolution you know that's wild dude alaska's wild you live in a wild yeah. land alaska reminds me of like like the last like lord of the rings style place that could possibly exist on earth like just like fucking mythical creatures like danger at every turn volcanoes <laughs> yeah it's i i've i've uh i've had it called before the australia of the united states it is it's like of... there's a bunch of shit that can kill you the only thing we don't have is uh we don't have snakes you snakes, don't have to worry right, about yeah. snakes here because this tool people's houses so there's like a park in anchorage which is a bigger city here 
and some guy had like let his like boa constrictor out and like a year later it was found like wrapped around somebody's animal under their house and it was like in a trailer it park lived in just... Alaska for a year yeah, it was just under somebody's fucking under somebody's trailer <laughs> How's a boa constriction that freeze to death in Alaska in a year? <laughs> I don't know, insane. but we've had we've had a couple like snakes that have popped up randomly, and they're always gigantic. They're never like it's always some huge pet that somebody clearly let out that like because well, I don't think a boa is somehow slithering its way to Alaska. They're too native to Alaska, dude. <laughs> That's what I checked. What's uh? Well, not for that. NPA, like where I am, like unless you go into the fucking like Poconos into the mountains or something like that, you're not gonna ever into a fucking snake or bear. Like, is it, it gives a shit? It's you guys have you guys have, I I might be wrong here, but don't you guys have black bears? Yeah. You guys have oh, dude, I have. Commonly. There's a crazy. Uh, my uh father-in-law. This is like two years ago or three years ago. He hunts, and he hunts for deer, and he he shoots deer. Deer runs off. Like he can't really couldn't really track it right away. So he's like trying to find this fucking deer in the woods, and then he finally stumbles across it, and a black bear is pulling it away. Uh huh. So, and he just made, made the decision to like, he's like, "No, nah, fuck that. That's just mine." <laughs> and he was like, "Hey, fuck off!" And the bear was like, "Are you really serious?" He's like, "Yeah." And the bear was like, "All right." And the bear left. And then he was like, "They told like us later." He's like, "That was dumb, Russian." <laughs> yeah. So there's a famous story over here about something similar to that. This guy named Gene Mo. Uh, he was like in his late. That's a 60s. bear hunter name. Gene Mo is a bear hunter name. Do I ever one? The Legend of Gene Mo hunted fourteen <laughs> grizzly bears with nothing but a fucking knife. Well, so <laughs> foreshadowing. So Gene Mo was hunting a buck or deer here in the state of Alaska near Kodiak of all places. <laughs> For more foreshadowing, um, and he was in the middle of skinning the deer. If Adam lived in Alaska, he'd be picking a fight with a wild animal all the time. Like the white guy in prison constantly. Tyler knows me. <laughs> Tyler knows me. Adam Nutter starting fist fights with black bears. Are you looking at me? <laughs> Only black and brown bears, though. You say, leave the is, polar bears alone. <laughs> uh, I no. now. <laughs> so Gene Mo was like 67. He went out hunting. Uh, he... he realized that a bear was in the area that he was at so he started to kind of turn back and head back the way that he came and he had his hunting rifle so he had some form of protection you know um he got on his way back he spotted a deer and so he shot it and as soon as he started to cut into it and was crouched over he got attacked by a, a Kodiak brown bear who bit into his arm. and I mean, the guy was 67, so it's yeah, not yeah, like yeah, this yeah. bear bit into his arm, crushed like a bunch of ribs and stuff. Gene Moe continued to kill that bear with a folding buck knife that was about yay long. How? What, he in the neck? <laughs> so he... He while he was on the ground, he was able to get the knife up and he stabbed at its neck and chest a bunch and was able to kick with his like hiking boots and get out from under the bear. And so when he got up, the bear got up and it kind of went towards him and he hit it right on top of the head and started stabbing it more and eventually killed it. Damn, dude, that and guy is then walked <laughs> a mile and a quarter out of the woods with an arm that was like leaking like a sieve and yeah, dude, DiCaprio it, won an Oscar for playing a guy who for faking actually, it. Actually, like a pitch. 
acting like a bitch when he got attacked by a bear. This guy was like, no, nah, I'm old and I'll fucking handle this bear like a man. My favorite part of that story is the photo that was put in the paper of Gene Moe after killing that bear in the background while he's sitting on the couch is that bear's skin all across his wall. <laughs> that's an awesome trophy to have. That's like, dude, that's your kids, kids, kids are going to be like, dude, that bear? <laughs> yeah, because it's impressive because it wasn't with a gun. I was like, yeah, no, and he I has, actually oh, had to kill had, it with my hands. <laughs> he has the knife like framed. And when you look up the size of the knife, everybody hears he killed a bear with a knife, and they assume like a Bowie knife, it's like or, a hunting you know, knife, yeah, like a yeah. giant knife. Yeah. No, it was like it's so fucking basically cold. the equivalent of a little folding old timer knife, like something your it's like so dad would have carried, you know, in his back pocket. And it's like, yeah, he just that primal instinct shit, man. <laughs> He's going to that fight or flight. Like I'm just trying to live thing. That's fucking wild. If I don't start an animal podcast, I don't know what I'm doing. I gotta start an animal podcast. I'll just talk about animals every podcast I do. But like, there were tons of there's like the natives. They have to deal with polar bears because there are areas where there's native populations. I I like I like this is what's so scary about polar bears is like they're like um, other bears is like hey this bear probably won't fuck with me. Polar bears will. Polar bears like no 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 I'm gonna eat you like there's no quite like there's so no food here anything I see that I could eat I'm gonna just go after and like it's that's why it's creepy if you watch like the uh that old Nat Geo shit with like the guy like in the glass box and the and the polar bear like just up on it like that polar bear is trying to figure out how to get in there and kill you (laughs) (laughs) well and like what polar bears like they are it's not necessarily that they don't have access to food as much as they don't have this genetic experience with humans. Cause there's just not a, like they've never had to deal with these big populations. So yeah, it's like, no, yeah, yeah. The most they're coming across is these kind of pocket groups of native uh, groups. And so when they do come across these villages, they have no, there's no, Oh, these are humans. We're supposed to be worried. It's just, no, we're just going to, eat and destroy everything we can get our hands on including people and so it's like every once in a while there'll be some news story of like native guy gets killed or a kid gets eaten or something like that they had a recently this is just a couple years ago actually on the fucking military base which is the largest military base in alaska it's the same military base that defends like a huge portion of the u.s from nuclear bombs so this is a very sophisticated facility and on this sophisticated facility they had a like 28 year old army soldier get killed by a bear in the middle of the fucking base and like then the bear continued to attack like two more people and they were like (laughs) i'm like you guys have fucking tanks did no one have a gun i don't understand i'm just imagining like I'm imagining some, like, 26-year-old dude who's, like, just has his standard-issue pistol on him, and that's what I'm kind of thinking might have happened, because the story is not, like, public. There's not a ton of info on it, because it's all military stuff. Even a handgun. Well, the thing is, the military carries... The military is carrying, like, 9 millimeters now and 40 caliber. I know, but, like, still... (laughs) <laughs> oh, well, so the problem is, is everybody has the same instinct. If they've never dealt with bears and they try to shoot a bear, everybody does the same exact thing, which is immediately point the gun at the bear's head and empty the magazine. And the problem with that is bears have skulls that Super are thick. absurdly thick. And yeah. so if you don't have a gun with real stopping right. power, like a 12 gauge with slugs right, right. that I have right over here. Go or, for the soft, mushy part. Yeah, or like a 44. Well... That's the thing. Well, it's full like, of muscle and fat. I, yeah, I'm, I'm and they saying. have so yeah. much. There's so much like 
anatomy with a bear that's off because of the way they like sleep and eat and live and what their diet's made of and all this weird shit. So people are constantly trying to kill bears in an emergency situation and they're like oh grab my 1911 because it's a 45 and that's my bear protection it's like yeah until it's not and it bounces off that thing's skull and like you're dead (laughs) there was a a story in in new york where uh in in, like the projects a lot of guys with their pit balls loose on the roof it's like run around and shit but cops in there they do what they call verticals and they check the product, so they go from like the ground floor to the roof, and the roof back down. And they check all the floors and stuff like that. So, so you have, and no one's allowed. To, uh, so that's a rule I want to say. In New York City, that's actually a crime because remember those public uh, products are owned; they're city property. They're not like yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. So, so it's a, they make it like you cannot go to the roof. Like it is an like, absolute crime. So, like obviously cops and shit can when they're doing the searches. So, uh, once one cop goes to open the door, and then he hears like this fast gravel movement. He's like, "What the fuck?" Like, you know, it's, it's all gravel up there. And then this fucking pitbull just turns the corner and he goes, Oh shit. And he fucking shoots it in the head, but the bullet just goes ding and just ding. It just and goes the other way. The, and he just pulls the door closed real quick. He's like, Yo, <laughs> but he did. The dog was fine. He didn't even fucking do it. Yeah. Just fucking. Well, because you don't get, like, unless the bullet has impact, it doesn't really actually get to do any damage. So yeah. if it's reflected, it doesn't get that. Also, pit bull skulls are also thick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're kind of, you can yeah. kind of look at them and go, yeah, yeah you yeah. got a big fucking head. So it just fucking ricocheted right off. And I was like, oh, well, it didn't get me, so I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there's some wild stories. There's there's one guy local to my town who killed a, a bear, uh, like pretty decent sized brown bear um, with a Glock 19, which is like. Yeah retarded like don't yeah, do that don't even good. if your option is shoot the bear with the glock or try to get away from the bear i'm honestly going to suggest try to get away from yeah, the bear yeah it's it's really not and and it's almost like you know you have people who come up from like other states where gun culture is kind of a thing and they realize very quickly the gun culture here is still different because it's like no, like everybody here isn't collecting AR-15s and like these tactical, you know, kind of guns. A lot of what people have up here is like really big caliber elephant guns and giant revolvers and, uh, you know, slugs and shotguns. And it's a lot of like utilitarian, more hunting protection, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I figure. Well, yeah, it makes more sense. So it's like the last frontier they call it, right? So, so yeah, I make more yeah. sense for that stuff because you're not also there's like no people. <laughs> like you're more you're more likely to run through moose probably in some places. In some places, uh, there's like, there's like, more. Like the there are more moose in Alaska than yeah. people. Yeah, uh, really? So yes. Well, that's actually cr- also I just realized like I don't know I don't understand numbers like I don't understand how many things are things that makes sense like 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 if you were like uh okay Nate Borgatti just had a bit and it nailed exactly how I feel about numbers where he's like. He's like Leonardo DiCaprio texted, uh, tweeted out something where he's like, "Humans kill one million sharks per year." And he's like, "I don't even know there's that many sharks." <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I thought there was like 950 sharks left. I don't know. That's how I am with things. I'm like, "Oh, there's that many." I'm like, "I thought there was like I don't know 50 moose <laughs> like left." No, <laughs> so it's the same thing. Like Alaska is the most populated of moose, most populated bear. Um, I think we're either the most populated or second most populated of bald eagles. Um, we have like all those cool birds like hawks and stuff like that too. So 
it's kind of cool. The state's sort of a safe haven for predators. So all the cool animals we have are mostly predators or animals that are just so big predators don't really fuck with them. Like <laughs> the reality is like the reason the population of moose is so big is because it's like unless you're a bear who gets lucky, you're not really going to kill a moose. There's nothing yeah, that yeah, really yeah. can other than humans. So those things just kind of get the lay of the land. It's like well, yeah, we're, we're no, in charge sure. out here. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, excuse me. Right. Like, I, I do want to get black I do bears. Get the, oh no, yeah, no. I was gonna say I do want to get the uh, the Joe uh, uh, Vogler, Vogler, Vogler. Is that how you pronounce his name? V- Vogue, Vogue, Vogler. Yeah. Vogler? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but real quick before we get into that, anybody who uh, check me out on the Larry Sharp show from last night it was fun. It was good. A good talk. Uh, that guy was fucking nuts. The January sixth thing. Yeah. Um, Libertarian podcast review in the chat. Tyler, I'm pretty sure me and Tyler are going to do a breakdown of that little segment because I immediately DM'd Tyler while I was watching it and was like, we've got to do it. This is retarded. <laughs> like, I, mean, I think I did a pretty good job. Like, uh, Oh, you, you did know, great. I was in yeah. the chat spurging out. I know you saw that. I yeah, like, yeah. But I was like, what? I was like, this is not... Dude, when he said, oh, they should have shot more people or whatever. He said something. I don't know if he said that. Exa- but he said the chat- It was I'm similar. Like, and I double taked. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, that's fucking crazy, dude. That was yeah. fucking nuts. And I like the guy in the chat was like, uh, wow, the cops saying they should, they, they went too far, and the defense lawyer saying they didn't go far enough. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, yeah, dude, that was, that was, yeah, you, you and Tyler should do that. That would be fucking good. Cause, yeah, I want other people's takes on that. Cause, like, I was so blown away also in the moment. Cause I didn't expect that. Yeah, it was a uh, sort of a crazy conversation. I did not see it veering off into that kind of side of things. The other thing, too, is you got to keep in mind that dude is a lawyer. And so it's like, you got to wonder, like, okay, so you got a bunch of lawyer buddies who who agree with the opinion that you just put out there, and so you have to kind of say it, you know? Right, right. But or, I don't or, know. Or don't say anything, though. Like, yeah, just shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, he, he didn't have to say any of that. He could, we, we weren't even necessarily talking about January 6th. We were talking about just, like, the events surrounding January 6th, so m- more so, and, and, you know, and, and he was like, no, they should have done more. It's like, what? Well, <laughs> like to, cops to like, justify yeah. the Ashley Babbitt shooting specifically, where I'm like, okay, so she was unarmed. The people next to her were unarmed. There were two officers behind her, and she got shot for attempting to step over a gate. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. So just, where do you like, where do you get as a lawyer? Where do you get the justification? There? Because, first of all, two things. That dude is a never Trumper. He admitted it. He said he said it on air. He said, I'm a never Trumper. And then he said, um, uh, also, you could the way he was talking, you could tell he's also like propagandized out where he's like the Capitol is like the symbol of America. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, no, it's not. <laughs> Like, I don't even feel that way about the White House, let alone the Capitol. Like, <laughs> I don't know. What are we talking about? Like, for, for, to, to look at, like, like I, when I look at America, I love this country because I think of it of how it was, right? Like, how we became, how we were, even in the 90s, dude. Like, what we are now, like, I don't look at the Capitol and the White House and go, that's what we, I look at the White House Capitol now and go, it's run by lizard pedophiles. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. gone, right? So, Absolutely. like, I don't look at that building or those buildings in D.C. and go, this feels patriotic to me. I feel a sense of like pride of like where we are, what we used to be. I don't, it's gone. Now I just think of like, I don't know, the flag and bald eagles. I'm like, I'll just stick to that. <laughs> that that yeah. trope. Well, it, and uh, you know, 
being from Alaska, like that whole hoorah America thing just doesn't fly with me or a lot of my family. Cause it's like, you're separated. From, I am yeah, 3000 so yeah. miles away from you fucking people. Like I yeah. don't, your capital and white house mean nothing to me. Like yeah, I don't... it was such a ridiculous, like, so those two things within that dude, you could tell was why he was taking that. Cause he's yeah. like, fuck anybody who supports Trump. And also like, this is a symbol of America. And you're like, you're a fucking idiot. Like, I really wanted to go in like real hard, but I was like, I don't want to also just derail the show. It's not my podcast. <laughs> yeah. If anything, it's a symbol of, of government overreach and government yeah. power. The fact that that building is allowed to be kept pristine and in perfect condition only because it's paid for by us, which it's is like, which is why it pissed me off also. Cause we er- literally earlier we talked about the 2020 riots. And yeah. how he never once was like, oh, yeah, we should have been shooting. The cops should have been shooting people to protect private property. Even Not though once that was, I hear him say that. Yeah. Even though those were actually private businesses that weren't owned by the government and went on to the pocketbooks of the people who owned them, not the government. I, I also want to point out, I, I asked at the time, uh, I was like, I guarantee you the George Floyd riots costed more than a capital. And both of them were like, oh, we don't know. And not Larry, but the other two were like, we're not sure. Someone in the comments posted it, but I didn't want to derail the conversation because $2 billion. Mm-hmm. Two billion dollars it costs. Yeah. So you're telling me that the capital, which we again we which I also didn't understand that that you could probably rebuild the capital for less than that, dude, for sure. Because that lawyer was like, because that lawyer's point to me was, uh, he was like, so it was two billion to, oh no, he's like, well, so you don't care about he goes, you don't care about public property, like uh, I go, no, I don't. Why? Why would you? He's like, well, who are they going to charge to fix it? I go, me, but by force. What what point are you making? Like <laughs> like no I'm going to voluntarily give them money to no dickhead. Like they're going to put a gun to my fucking head and be like, pay for this or you go away. Like what yeah. do you mean? What's your? Yeah. I don't. I just don't understand his fucking point. The logic seemed very off to me. Um, oh, but uh, so on the Joe Vogler thing. Yeah. Um, that was so. For people who don't know what yeah, I'm talking about, I can quick, intro. I, I know you did a great yeah. podcast episode about, it, and I want I want people to go watch that episode. But just to give people like a you know a a, 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 a Spark Notes version, so they could go watch the full version on your channel. Right. So I I three or four years ago, when I was kind of in my political stuff, looking into different politicians, different figures, things like that, came across this guy named Joe Vogler. I had heard about him before because he was kind of a name that would be talked about amongst old timers in the state. Um, but I hadn't really paid much attention to it. Um, I started wanting to make more videos that were more edited and kind of like a true crimey kind of thing almost. So that was kind of why I wanted to work with this. Um, and then I broke down, uh, kind of my process for building these kind of things and, and what I did with this and all what I'll do with the next one I'm working on, um, is I will collect all the news stories that are out there. I'll go through like the internet archive. I'll go through Google and all that kind of stuff. And pull all the different news stories and just accountings of what happened. Um, and what I found with the Joe Vogler uh, story is that none of them were consistent. The story was all over the place. The facts that were put out by the cops was all over the place. Uh, the facts put out by supposed witnesses that were interviewed by people that weren't really witnesses. Things like that. Um, but to break it down on more of a, a basic kind of... Uh, you know, explainer is the actual thing that happened. Uh, this guy named Joe Vogler founded uh, this party in the state of Alaska in 1974 called the AIP or Alaskan Independence Party. Um, its goal was to make the legal argument that when Alaska was admitted into the Union, 
that it was not given either a fair vote or was not given the correct choices. And this comes from um, when other places were admitted into the Union, they were given an option uh, to become independent nations, to become part of the country, and that was more of what their votes were in the line of. Uh, 47? Uh, when did Alaska uh, become a state? Alaska was made a state in 1958. Fuck, I, I was It might have been off. 59. Okay. It, I think it might be 59 technically, but the vote and everything was held in, in 58. Okay, and Hawaii was last, correct? Was mm-hmm. that after Alaska? So Hawaii was, what, 60? 50. 50 uh, oh, no. Uh, they became a state in, yeah, I think 61. Damn, dude. Something like that. It wasn't far after. Six years old. <laughs> yeah. People don't realize that Alaska has not been a state for like I thought a it was. I thought time. it was 47 or 50. I thought it was around that time. I thought it was like right after World War II that both Alaska and... I always thought it was like the 50s, like like the early... Fi- like. So the push for uh, Alaska to become a state came from... Um, you're correct to think the Second World War, because that is kind of where it started. Um, during the First World War, Alaska was kind of used as a, a middling point. Right. And they kind of realized at that point that it has some strategic value because right. of where it's placed. Um, and then by the Second World War, uh, 1935, uh, this pretty well-known uh, admiral or general that uh, was talking to the Congress, um, he's known as like the godfather of the, the Air Force, for instance. So this is like a pretty high-up military guy. He makes this quote to the Congress where he says, um, he who holds Alaska will hold the world. Um, and that was listened to by them, uh, and by the forties, um, they had started to use it as kind of a world war two kind of shelter in place area. They built kind of temporary bunkers, things like that. Yeah, people don't know that we shot down a few zeros in Alaska. Oh uh, yeah. World war two, but technically it wasn't American soil yet. So yeah. technically it wasn't, I say right, right. Hawaii. That's why we were never right. officially attacked on American soil. Exactly. <laughs> so the Aleutians were attacked by the, by the Japanese. They were, uh, right. there was, there was, um, there was actually, and this is a story that is lost to time and doesn't get talked about it, um, enough. It's something I probably will make a thing about later on. But there was a group of natives uh, that were living in the Aleutian Islands that were actually taken captive by the Japanese and taken back to Japan and treated as uh, war prisoners. And there was actually one white person among them. Um, and all of those people just disappeared. The U.S. Mm. never really bothered to track any of them. They never bothered to find out what happened to any of them or if they really lived. Some of them made it back to state, but uh, the majority of them, we kind of assume, just got absorbed into Japan. The native the native makeup genetically is similar, so it'd be kind of hard to find the people at this point. But uh, yeah, it, it, would be, it would be interesting for me to kind of try to track some down because some of them would still be alive. Dude, listening to, like, old World War II, like... Um fucking stories is some of the craziest shit ever like you'll just hear me like we we lost track of the platoon they're like yeah oh well us. oh well <laughs> yeah <laughs> move on <laughs> um so the 80 guys just yeah like yeah they're dead to us forget it <laughs> <Yeah. going back. laughs> and so it, uh joe vogler moves to alaska um in the 50s the mid 50s and uh he comes from texas he came came to alaska from Texas, uh, he okay, was so born he's in... not like a native Alaskan, so he's a native, no, he was so he's born... native American, Texan, if, like, if anything. So he was born in Barnes, Kansas. Okay. Um, and he grew up there. He got a law degree by the time he was 21. Um, and so he moved over to Texas, kind of try to find work and stuff. He ended up getting fired from his job in Texas because he called uh, FDR a commie bastard. 
Not and wrong. So, um, with that and kind of the World War II atmosphere, he he kicked it on down to Alaska to try to find some kind of different, you know, political structure, different kind of means of living. Um, so let me ask you a question. At, at this time in Alaska, because it's not America, right? It's not a state. Is there cities up? Like, what the fuck's going on in Alaska in 1942? So, yeah, th- that's, that's another <laughs> kind of misconception is that before statehood, Alaska was just kind of natives and kind of this in- empty kind of area. But, well, Alaska's history really kind of kicks off from a population and building kind of infrastructure point of view during the gold rush. Because in the early oh, 1900s, sense, right? yeah. during the Klondike gold rush, Everybody talks about the Klondike, and that's kind of an area that's in between Canada and in between Alaska. Right. So it's kind of half and half. Um, but some of the biggest gold rushes were not in the Klondike. They happened years later, and they were more inland of the state. And um, the only reason Alaska stopped producing gold and stopped collecting it, I and mean, the state has never run out. It's, the state's still full of gold. Yeah. It's just that um, when there was this whole hoopla about the Japanese or Koreans or any other number of people possibly invading the U S and there was this argument that they would do it through Alaska. And right. so the U S government ordered all of the mines in the state of Alaska to be sealed shut shut. And they were all shut down all at once and blown closed. Um, so all of that stuff is still sitting there. Like you could theoretically start gold production in the state of Alaska tomorrow and it would supply all of the U S with gold bullion. You wouldn't need to get gold from any other outside sources, which is what we do now. It's the same thing with oil. There was oil struck here going back all the way to 1908. And they just, the U S does not want oil produced here because if oil is produced here, then you can't go get it from the Saudis. You can't go get it from the middle East. You can't go get it from Europe. So there's a vested interest in them literally crushing the oil industry in Alaska, which they do. Um, and we're not allowed to collect our own oil. We're paying more right now for gas and oil than almost any other state in the entire U.S., even though we produce more of it than any other state other right. than Texas in the U.S. And so it's like, this is just batshit. Like, but this is part of what brought Vogler towards kind of his political side was because when he got here in the mid fifties, um, you know, there were towns, uh, there were cities with populations was this of like 30. local governments, like just local shit. Yeah. It was obviously there's no like overarching government. So <laughs> technically up until that point, the, uh, up until statehood, the state of Alaska was charted as a territory, uh, of the United States. So it was owned by the U S from the purchase that was made by William H. Seward. He was the one who purchased the land from the Russians. Um, the Russians are still but butthurt about that because uh, then we found out it was full of gold and oil. Um, uh, but the once the purchase was done, it, it became kind of an Alaskan territory, and that was done to kick the Russians out because they had enslaved a bunch of natives and were causing a lot of havoc around here. Um, and after that happened, and you have all these gold rushes and industry sort of move in, the state got built up. There were there were cities like Fairbanks, Kodiak, Juneau. Um, some of these areas where you had a population of 30, 40,000 people. Um, but it was very off and on because it was harder to produce things during the winter. It was, you couldn't really mine during the winter. So you have sort of this kind of, uh, gone one day there, another kind of uh, population. But by the fifties, when he arrived, the army Corps of engineers, because of the cold war ramping up because of, um, the end of the world war two and all of that stuff. 
uh, the Army Corps of Engineers had with the CIA come in and built. I mean, there are bases in the state of Alaska that we still don't know where the fuck they are because there's so many uh, submarine bases and bases that are in the middle of the mountains, <laughs> like training facilities that have underground facilities and like all of this random uh, military infrastructure that's here that's been built from the 40s on. Um, but realistically, you don't have like the massive kind of cities, uh, which we still don't really have, but like Anchorage, which has a population like 300,000. Um, yeah. That didn't really exist in that manner until around the 30s. That's insane because Staten Island has like 600,000 people in it. Yeah, and if you start or looking at probably. the size of Staten yeah. Island, you it's could probably fit it in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, it's not can... the size that's actually on my hat. That's how big Staten <laughs> Island is. It's it's seventeen. No, it's um seven by fourteen. Mm -hmm. I think that's it. It's very small. So it's if not, you yeah. drop the state of Alaska in the center of the United States, one side of the Aleutian Islands stretches all the way to one end, and the other side of the island stretches all the way to the other end. Yeah, it's, <laughs> so, no, it's so big. I know people don't understand how big um, Alaska is. I know Texas too. Even people don't get how big, especially like Europeans. You know, that's I'm, that's why I'm fucking sick of their goddamn mouth. Like, like they'll be like, we well, could see forty countries, and it's like, yeah, because if you went to fucking Texas and drove across Texas, it's nine hours. You're still in Texas. Like, like, like you know, you could drive yeah. nine hours in the Europe and hit seventeen countries. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, the you know, Tex Texas and Alaska specifically for. Florida has some similarities because of how well, long it is. Pennsylvania is big too, dude. I mean, I, I live you know right by Philly, and to get to yeah. Pittsburgh is a six-hour drive. It, it's, it's a fucking yeah, big a, state, yeah. <laughs> and that's so for relevance. Uh, Philly's on the east coast of like east side of PA, and Pittsburgh's like on the west side of PA. They're like yeah. the opposite ends of the two major cities. The opposite so it takes six hours to get across the goddamn state, dude. It's big. New York is also big too. Like yeah, top down. Uh, the funny thing, too, is in the state of Alaska, like, there's no, like, highways in other states, like, have a kind of motion to them where they're like, you're going north, so this road goes north. But in Alaska, because all the roads were, like, kind of built around the terrain, right? it's like, <laughs> you can't get anywhere quick because all the roads have to just go all around over the Around mountains and shit. Oh, oh it's dude, every yeah. road, every highway that exists here at some point is having to either go right next to a mountain or through one. Right, <laughs> so right, right, like, right, right. Wow, dude, yeah, that's wild. That, that's a bomb. That's a no but, yeah, but less people. It's like, mm -hmm. it's, mm. I mean, dude, significantly less people. Like, again, I just had to go stand down like a month ago to see a doctor. For, for my fucking stupid neck and like it's a nightmare like driving on the main like the main roads i was like dude i'm so glad i'm the fuck out of here and like again now take anchorage with almost probably less than half of that <laughs> you know with the big much bigger so i'm assuming a much bigger layout like what traffic are you hitting like yeah. it'd be crazy so that's the thing the only the only place you can really hit traffic in alaska is like anchorage and fairbanks and it has to be like rush hour <laughs> you got to be in the middle of like everybody's off work kind of shit yeah, otherwise yeah. there isn't really any traffic like it's pretty much you just go where you need to go uh and then uh, getting back to somewhat what i was kind of running yeah. on uh, the after after he arrives in the state um he gets in the sort of legal battles and random things he starts writing papers for the the city papers in the state, like opinion pieces, talking about how what the feds are doing in the state of Alaska isn't right, what's going on isn't copacetic. And because he was a lawyer, he starts making these more legal arguments where he's like, well, hey, we kind of got fucked here. 
Um, did anything happen to him personally that made him also like get riled up, or he just was, or he was just like, no, nah, fuck this, I don't like this. So yeah, um, the first one was in nine in uh, the fifties. He had uh, he had um, this bus company that was utilizing the Cushman Street Bridge in Fairbanks, which is where he lived at the time, and the bus company was taking people to the school, uh, the college in Fairbanks, the University of Alaska Fairbanks. He um. He sued the company because they anytime the bus was on the bridge, another car couldn't drive on the bridge. Uh, there wasn't it wasn't wide enough, and so he he sued them. He ended up losing, but it it became really popular, like uh, amongst like Alaskans, because he was suing these people who people thought were fucking other people over. Um, and so that kind of was where he like started kind of taking political shots at people. But it wasn't until the 70s that he really ramped things up because uh, in 71 or 70, I might have my years off there, um, the Alaska pipeline was finished and put in or confirmed one of the two. Um, and the Alaska pipeline is the oil pipeline. This is what carries all the oil through Canada and all these other places. Um, the problem with the Alaska pipeline is that the feds basically own it. It's not really a state venture. And, uh, they did that through some very dirty tactics. Um, and it's the reason why we can't really produce our own oil today because the feds regulate it all. Right. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he, he made an argument, um, you know, made a bunch of arguments in the early seventies against the pipeline. And eventually it pushed him to get a, get together with a bunch of miners. They founded the Alaska Independence Party. He created a petition to argue that Alaska should secede. Um, and that petition ended up getting uh, over 10,000 uh, signatures in the state. And so at the time, the population was like 150,000 people. So he was expecting to get some kind of response from the Congress, a response from some kind of state person who was already here. Um, he didn't. He was ignored completely. And this is that's what actually drove him to create the Independence Party and decide, okay, well, then we'll do this the political route. Uh, he created the party. It became um, recognized by the state of Alaska because of the size of its popularity. It became the uh, second largest party in the state at one point and then became the third largest uh, party in the state. Uh, at its peak, um, it was something like, uh, I think the highest they got in an election was 5.4%, which <laughs> doesn't seem like much, but when you take into account that at the time all you needed to be recognized was like a quarter of that, and no third party in the state had broken 1% ever. Like, so, it just wasn't a thing. So would they be considered more, like, closer to, like, the Libertarian Party, like the Constitutionalist Party or something like that? Like, So, yeah, uh, Vogler claims there isn't a ton of proof around this, so I, I'm very touchy to kind of submit it as fact. But Vogler claims to be one of the co-founding members of the Alaska Libertarian Party. Um, okay. Uh, there's some historical argument there. I will say this, that I've read an awful lot of Vogler's writing, and I've read an awful lot of, uh, I've listened to an awful lot of his interviews, every one that I could find, and he was very libertarian in nature. 
Okay. And it would not be a stretch for me to believe that he was legitimately one of the co-founders. So um, who, do you know who says actually founded the party in Alaska? Like the Libertarian so Party? So if you check like Ballotpedia, um, and this isn't a shot at like Karen Ann Harlos or anybody, but it, it does say somebody different, somebody who I don't really recognize as being the founder of the party. Um, but it is something that's contentious with state people here because yeah. the AIP isn't, like they don't, they're not siding with the libertarians publicly. Like they're still much more of a constitutionally based party, um, you know. So there's there's some issues there. But they're anti-war. They're anti-government spending for the most part. They don't want, um, you know, obviously anti-intervention, anti the you know those those things that we do care about to some right. core values. Um, and I would argue that. Joe Vogler's political beliefs are actually almost a perfect example of conservative libertarianism in action. It's what it actually should look like, which is a really a return to old school Republicanism with a couple extra steps that make it more ironclad. So, um, you know, these are statements. He, he has some very famous quotes like, uh, there's nothing more I hate than the federal government. You know, uh, you know, the, the fact that he was not buried in this, in, in America. Um, he famously said to, in a, an interview that I will not be buried in the state of, uh, in the state of Alaska. I will not be buried under the United States flag. I'll be buried in Dawson, Canada, and they can bring my bones home when my, when Alaska is an independent nation. Um, and him and his (laughs) wife were both buried in Dawson, Canada. And if you drive through Canada, please go check out the grave because it is something I give a shit about (laughs) if you are going through there anyway. Um, They're in a really cool spot, and it's like a cool park you can go check out and stuff. But um, he, he was, in my opinion, one of the most principled political figures in the United States, period, let alone the state of Alaska. You, you... People don't realize how hard it is to find political figures who didn't waver on their stances, who didn't change their opinions on things. I mean, obviously, there's the Ron Pauls of the world, which is who I mentioned in the documentary um, thing was was that Ron Paul was sort of my introduction to those ideas. But when I looked back at what Vogler was talking about and what his beliefs were, they were very much cut from the same cloth. These are two two people who were principled to the max would not would not waver on what they believed in um vogler i will challenge any person to find me a quote or thing he wrote or thing he said on camera or on a recording um that goes against any of the previous things he stated and that's something that i think is uh non-existent in politics you know so yeah uh, it's definitely cool to see somebody like that and then you know, his death. So this is, that's where it becomes sort of more of a, this becomes more interesting. And in, in 84, he wanted to go to war with the federal government by um, way of using, he, he operated a mining operation. He had 300 acres of land he developed. He wasn't a poor guy. He was very wealthy. Um, and one of the problems that was happening in the state of Alaska is the federal government wanted to take away miners' rights. And I and make they, money from lawyering. No, no, um, land development and mining. Uh, he okay. was a gold miner, uh, and he had a very <laughs> successful mine. Um, when he died, he still had, he had tens of thousands of dollars in gold sitting in his home, and 
Uh, I think his estate was over two million, which in okay, in damn. that day and age is a lot of money. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's still a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, it's still a lot of money. Uh, but um, yeah, he was one of the richer people in the state of Alaska at that point, which is you know I think what gave him a lot of people took notice because he got rich not off of his parents, not off of doing that. He came to this state with not very much money. And worked really hard and built up a sort of empire, 300 acres of developed land, mining operations. and um, But he, he in 84, he took a D8 cat, which is like this big piece of equipment that people use to move across areas that have like ice and different terrain. Um, and he took it across federal land, uh, which was legally considered a national park. And that is how the federal government took miners rights away from people in Alaska. They just came in and said, well, all of this land that you guys were previously mining on for the last 70 years is now a federal park. And so in order to go on it, we have to confirm it. And he decided he didn't want to go through their permitting process. So he just went anyway. And when they stopped him, they stopped him with uh, two helicopters with armed guards while he was out there. Um, and he's, he believes that they were going to kill him. Um, he believes that they had body bags there to eliminate him then. And the only reason that it didn't happen was because a, a local pilot to the area who had a small plane flew overhead while they were questioning him, uh, and, and starting this whole thing up. Um, and, um, Mike Gravel. Yeah. Mike, Mike was cool. I was um, going to post a joke, uh, late. Do you have a, he's uh, definitely going to say opinion, opinion of former U S Senator from Alaska, Mike Gravel. Gravel? Gravel. I've heard it pronounced Gravel. I don't know. Uh, I, I think he used to follow sure. that guy on oh, the Gravel University, right? On Twitter or whatever the fuck. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's pretty, he was a little left. A uh, little left, but fairly based on but, some Yeah, topics. but he, exactly. That's why he used to follow yeah. him. Some stuff I, he was good on, some stuff he was terrible on. I personally, I, I don't find his ideas certainly personally abhorrent, uh, especially being that his position is more from an Alaskan position and not from a, hey, I want to be in charge of the world thing. It's more of, no, I like know how this state works kind of thing right, like right. and that's why i just genuinely like alaskans just do not trust outsider politicians because it's like no you, you've never like you don't know how the culture here works you've never been here like and there is a certain you know attitude here where it's almost like hawaii is the same thing where it's like no our way of living is just different than you guys like it's just right and it's not like a bragging thing that's just the reality of the situation like everybody here is it's a lot more rural living, and it's not the same rural living that you get in Kentucky or Kansas. It's rural living like you're cut off from the rest of the world for months at a time. Like, you know. Um, yeah, sure. So I think there's a lot of that. But no, Mike's, um, he's, he's written some good stuff, and I've, I've seen good stuff from him. There's, um, when, when Vogler, when, uh, when he did that with the cat, they stopped him. They, there was this whole lawsuit. He took it all the way to the Supreme Court. Um, again, eventually lost, but pretty much at that point, every time he lost, so what, what, what was the law exactly just that he was encroaching on federal land? Like that. So he was, they claimed he was damaging the, um, th there's a word for it, but it's like this type of plane that he was driving across. Okay. So this um, is like he was damaging natural terrain, essentially. Exactly. And okay. he argued basically that we have a right to produce roadways for the use of public people. And right. he claimed that the tracks on his cat were making a natural roadway that existed forever. It's called the Bildenberg Trail. It's been there in Alaska for going back to the 1920s. It was used by trappers and miners. 
so it uh, was uh, so 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 this is when you're saying so when he was doing that is when they just kind of like raided him so so to speak yeah with, so to with speak like, yeah yeah so there was a show of force obviously. it was it was 100 percent a show of force because you don't and... need fucking blackhawks and no they SWAT took teams. two <laughs> helicopters yeah. with i believe six armed people um to go and stop a guy who was at that point in his 70s yeah. early 70s um with two 20 year olds that he had hired to go help a mine who right. were unarmed and like you know it's right. like uh so it was it was very much like a show of force hey don't fuck around and but because the, he was already political at that point like double fuck you got a big target on your back yeah no but that's why the bundy ranch incident i think is so fucking important yeah because like it's, it really it really goes to show you where you have this, the law coming down being like we're gonna take your shit and then the guy's like all right hold on give me like a day yeah. and they're like and then he comes back with a bunch of other guys with arms, and then the law enforcement's like, "Hey, let's talk about this." <laughs> like it goes right from like one you know, of the it, it different, levels the different field in two seconds. Different event, but one of my favorite things I've ever had said to me by an old timer was a, a sourdough, which in the state of Alaska to be is called a sourdough. It involves doing specific things. It means you have to have fucked a native woman, you have to have killed a bear, and you have to have pine, mine, or you have to have mined or panned for gold in the Yukon. Fuck it. Um, I, that's a bucket list item in my life. <laughs> yeah. In order to be an actual sourdough, like people use that word, but it's like, no, sourdoughs were an actual thing. Dude, like, that's so it was cool. A, it was a, like, yeah. But um, this was a, an old sourdough who's in his like late 70s, who I used to be buddies with. He used to drink at the bar down here in Seward. And uh, we were watching a documentary in the bar about um, Ruby Ridge. Hmm. And he goes, you know, uh, uh, he, he had watched it on TV when it happened. And so he was like, uh, you know, when that happened, I was sitting in the Thorns bar. And he points over to the other bar in town. And he goes, and the day that that happened, we all kind of looked at each other and said, couldn't really do that in Alaska. <laughs> And I, I've always carried that with me because the reason he said that is because the culture up here with back then when that right, happened, right, right, right. like that, if yeah. you had gone into a small community and shot somebody's wife and kid, yeah. the other people in the town would have been surrounding you. Like yeah. you would have had much bigger fish to fry. It was like, you know, famously there's an area here in the town I live in called Camelot, which is where my family uh, originally grew up yeah, here. Arthur, I know. I heard Yeah, well they're all the street names are named after <laughs> of that. Of course my, they are. Yeah, my grandfather, um Merlin. My family <laughs> he he lives on Merlin Street. <laughs> there um, you go. My my um my family was the first people to live in that area year round in the state of Alaska over here in Seward and Every is there time an Archimedes way. <laughs> yeah, every every time somebody would like ditch out of there, he would just buy their property. So he accumulated a lot of land and stuff. Right. Um, but it's very well known in this town that the police and the troopers will not go into Camelot mm. because back in the day there was a guy who barricaded someone in their home because he shot their dog, and the cops showed up, and the guy who got his dog shot used his rifle and shot the dude while he was in his house and then took shots at the cops and was actually able to repel them. And so it became sort of like after that point, they said, it's just too dangerous for us to deal with it. And so none of the cops go up there. It's like, the, it's like the, it's like the, it's like the, it's like the uh, prostitute zone in Sin City. We're like, cops yeah. go. <laughs> except cops it's go a bunch, town. except <laughs> it's a bunch of guys in the woods with 30 out sixes. It's like, that would repel uh, me. I wouldn't go yeah. there. So in 84, Vogler gets 
stopped for the mining stuff. He goes to court, takes it to the Supreme Court, loses, but gets a ton more support from Alaskans in general because they see this case. They see it as the federal government fucking over Alaskans. This is a guy who's mining. They're stopping him. It wasn't the state who did it. It was the feds. So you even had state politicians coming out and saying, we don't like this. And so it gave the AIP a big boost. And uh, just previous to him getting stopped, he published a piece of paper to the UN of all places, making his legal argument for Alaska to have a revote on statehood. And it was put in kind of limbo because in the UN, the way that it worked is you had to get a speaker to co-sign your paper. And then you would be allowed to go speak at the UN. It's still how it is today. And no one was going to sign for this document that was arguing for Alaska to become its own independent nation. Like, it just wasn't going to happen. Until 1989. And in 1989, the Ali Khamenei won his election in Iran and became Shah. And the first thing that he, one of the first actions that he took was to begin contacting Joe Vogler and to agree to allow him to speak at the United Nations. Now, around the same time that was happening, the AIP actually did something that basically no other third party has done yet, and <laughs> I like to give the middle finger to a lot of third parties for not doing this, but um, he recognized that the candidate they were putting up for the AIP wouldn't win, and he really wanted to win. And mm -hmm. so he went to the Republican candidate who had already won an election before his name was walter hickel and he told tells him i'm gonna convince the guy that we were gonna run to drop out and you're gonna sign on to the aip ticket and you're gonna win and that's exactly what happened he signed on to the aip ticket he became the most recent third party candidate to be in charge of a state and he won and became governor of the state of alaska which meant that the alaska independence party with Joe Vogler as its founder and chair, he was chairing the party that had control of the state. Right. Which is like a fucking absolutely bonkers fucking thing. I don't think people realize, like, they won. Like, they got in charge of the entire state of Alaska. Like, Walter Hickel was not as in favor of secession as the rest of the AIP guys. And so he sort of argued it back and forth and was trying to push for a vote on independence, but it didn't really go super far. And by 1993, three uh by 92 late 92 93 vogler is really disillusioned with what hickel was doing he starts taking out ads in the paper comparing the united states to russia and the alaska to lithuania um which during the cold wars is <laughs> referencing the fact that we're being made the the feds bitch um and he makes a kind of final push he finally gets confirmed that he was going to be able to speak at the u.n he lets people at the AIP know that he was leaving in a week to fly to New York to speak at the UN conference. And then about four days before he should have left, he was reported missing by his neighbor. And um, the police searched the uh, didn't search the home at first. They actually waited forever for that. This is one of the That's things like to talk about. 101. Well, yeah, and it, 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 I know uh, this from experience because I is, used to do that job. Every inch of this case <laughs> yeah. is police fuckery. What what uh, they make what what the rule is, or like the very common like police thing is like if you have a missing persons case and it's officially like okay, this is classified as a missing person now. 
the first thing you do is no matter what the people tell you, you search every inch of that person's home. Like no matter what they tell you, like that's literally the first thing you do. (laughs) Right. And so he, he goes missing. He gets reported missing after about two days of being gone. Um, his vehicles in the driveway, um, his dogs, he had five dogs and a guard goose and all five of them, (laughs) all five of his dogs and his guard goose were not outside. They were inside his home and they were locked up. Mm. Um, almost like they were put there. It then later came out through the AIP's private investigator. They sent off blood samples of the dogs and later found out that they had been drugged. So that was, uh, and, and the, the police, the police's they argument, the goose too. <laughs> the, the police's argument for the dogs being drugged was that Joe Vogler, a guy who everybody in this town and everybody socially knew was like, those dogs were, that's who he lived with. Their theory was that Joe Vogler drugged all of his dogs individually to take them to the vet three days after that. And I'm going, you're smoking some really good crack. And I, I, you know, like, I don't know what else I'm supposed to say here. Like, uh, and then. It's not even a good lie. Yeah, it's, no, it's, 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 like, it's, it's absolutely like, got off. You know what always blows my mind about all of these, like, cover-up cases is, like, lie better. Like, mm-hmm. like, do you have four-year-olds just be like, like, it's like they go to four-year-olds like, quick, I need a cover story for this. Go. And like the, the red ball fell from the tree and, and then it knocked it over and they go, great, we're going to go with that. Yeah, it's we're like, going to go with that. There's no adults there. Like, right. we well, this cover is, up in their this, life. This is what's even more insane is they, their basic report after leaving his home was that Joe Vogler, a guy who at this time was 79 years old, he's almost 80 years old, or he was 80, I think, um had literally just walked off into the woods and disappeared. That was their entire investigation. That was what they came to the conclusion of for literally eight months. That was their conclusion to this whole case was Joe Vogler just walked in the woods and died. It's like, this dude's lived in the state of Alaska for 50 fucking years. Like, do you not like, I don't understand what we're talking about here. This guy didn't walk into the woods and die. Like this is a dude who's been trapping and hunting and killing shit since most of those cops were still in diapers. And it's like, it was just really condescending to me the way the cops covered the entire thing. And then eight months later, the police are getting pressure from the Lieutenant governor of the state to put it into the case and, and find out what happened. Everybody is spreading posters around that said, where's Joe? And it became kind of this social thing in the state to try to find what had happened to the guy. Uh, and about eight months later, there was an anonymous report. We don't know who gave it. We don't know why they gave it. Who said, somebody borrowed my truck and returned it with a bullet hole in it. And so the cops make the claim that they connected the driver of that truck to a guy named Manfred West. They then, instead of waiting for Manfred West, uh, oh, so Manfred West was supposed to be in jail. He had already been arrested for burglary and multiple other charges. But instead, the police released him to a halfway house and then just told him to leave and kicked him out. And so the only reason this guy was free in the first place was because the government let him go free. And this was a dude who was already in for check forgery and burglary and all these other charges uh, and was looking at like eight years. So he gets out, he flies back into the state of Alaska at some point under a fake name right before Vogler goes missing, which is also really suspicious. But when he escapes this kind of halfway house, gets let out, he goes to his stepbrother's cabin. 
And the cops know that he's at this cabin and they want to question him about the fact that they think he was driving this truck. So if you were cops and you knew a guy was at a location and you needed to talk to him and you called him and he wouldn't answer and he wouldn't call you back, he wouldn't come talk to you, but you knew where he was geographically. Like, the last thing I would suspect you to do is surround the house and put this guy in the most volatile situation possible. But that is precisely what the cops did. They literally used a junk RV, they crammed a bunch of officers in it, and then surrounded the fucking place, saw him with a rifle, and then supposedly he lit the cabin on fire and tried to kill himself. The problem with that is he didn't die, he fell into the crawl space of the cabin, at which filled with water, and so he was just fine. And then the police made the decision to let the cabin burn completely. Oh, we call that to a not girl. try we, to put it we, out. We call that a Waco. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They literally did not try to put the fire out. They decided because they believed there was live ammunition inside the building that they would just leave it to burn. They just stepped away, let it burn to rubble. And it's my opinion that I don't think the police thought he was going to be alive. I think, quite right, frankly, sure. they wanted him to be dead. Yeah. I also well, think they were supposed to show to a pile of bones like a cartoon. Yeah, I also don't think it's necessarily a foregone conclusion that Manfred West is who started the fire. Because you have a bunch of cops surrounding the guy. The only witness to this being the fact is the cop who was on the phone with him. And so, it's like, yeah. But supposedly, during this conversation with the phone uh, and this one officer, he admits to killing Joe Vogler. Says, I killed him. Um, claims that it was self-defense, fuck the police, <laughs> claims that it was self-defense, <laughs> that he went to Vogler's house to trade him C4 explosives, uh, and to sell them to him, Vogler told him to All right, the James property. Bond, calm down. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> like, really insane. So he claims he went there to sell him C4 explosives, Vogler this told is, him to okay, leave the property. Offer. This is why it sounds fake, because C4 is something yeah. that people who don't know anything about, like, real-life explosives mm -hmm. or weapons talk about, because it was in the movies. Right. So it's like, it's like, it's like saying a nuclear weapon. It's like, yeah. it's the same shit. He it's had like, plutonium. It's the same shit. It's like, it's like, you're not a Bond villain, dude. No one's doing yeah. C4. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, and I, I'm assuming the reasoning he was using is like, oh, well, he was into mining, but if you actually look into, like, how often Isn't C4 dynamite? is used in mining, it's dynamite. Yeah, it's like dynamite TNT and shit, right? Yeah. Um, and so that, th that was complete horseshit. And th the reality is I'm family friends with, um, one of the prison guards who was at the maximum security prison where Manfred West was. She was in charge of the block that he was in. Um, and she was very candid in saying that that guy is the biggest lying piece of shit that's ever yeah. walked the face of the earth. The guy will just tell everybody in the prison that he's killed all these people that he hasn't really killed. Right. He had mental problems. He was a drug addict. He was a thief. This was a guy who was not... Of sane mind and body. It wasn't like this. And when you start really getting into the like minutia of it, the details, you start going, okay, well, this guy flew in under a fake name. The only reason he was out to be able to kill anybody was because the cops let him out. And you almost get to this idea was well, like, this guy's kind of like a perfect patsy. Like you created a dude that you could just pile this entire murder on. And that really sort of is confirmed to me in the fact that when. Eventually, the way they find Vogler's body is not because Manfred West told them where it was. Okay. It is because a jail cellmate, supposedly, because we don't have this guy's name, we don't know what jail he was from, none of this is public, um, told the police the location of the body. And so the cops go out there, they find the body, um, 
It's been there for 16 months at this point since he had gone missing. Um, they, at this point, rule it as a murder. They charge Manfred West. And then when it gets to court, everybody's expecting, because at this point, everybody in Alaska was like, this is a conspiracy. All the AIP people were not trustworthy of the situation, even back then. So when this goes to trial, this was like everybody going, okay, we're going to get some kind of uh, comeuppance. Whatever happened here, the facts will get laid out. Manfred West enters court in a bulletproof vest and pleads no contest to the charges for reduced sentences and better prison placement. And instead of going to a maximum security prison for the rest of his life, the only time he ever spent in maximum security was when the prison was being renovated. And uh, he spent, and still is in prison today, in a minimum security facility, um, which is absurd. This is a guy who has, like, burglaries, check forgery, and then murder. Right, it's like, right. this you couldn't get a better candidate for fucking <laughs> for maximum security. It's like, so he, he got a, a sweetheart deal, and in return, you know, he was already going to jail. So... You know, it to me it 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 makes sense to me that if you were in the position of Manfred West, you were already at the age he was, you were already an addict, you knew you probably weren't going to last all that long, and on top of it, you're stealing, you're in trouble already, you're looking at like eight years in jail or in prison, and then the government comes along and says, "Hey, <laughs> we need to get rid of this dude because he's about to fly to New York and give a speech we don't want him to give." And uh, in return, we'll make sure you get taken care of or get money. And then when he did it, he just got blamed for it all and got fucked. And they probably went to him and said, well, at this point, you can either say that you did this under a conspiracy and you'll get found guilty anyway and go to prison and you won't get any deal. Or you take this deal, you plead no contest and so no evidence ever gets entered into the public record. And in return, we're going to give you a nice prison placement and a deal and... He's been a, an associate uh, who's flipped on people in prison, too. So I have two different files that were on his some prison records that, um, that definitely hint at the idea that he was some form of informant after he went into prison, meaning that he was taking uh, better treatment in jail or comp money to turn people in in prison. Uh, so like, hey, this guy is talking about selling drugs on the outside, that kind of thing. Um, but realistically, the biggest issues I have with the case is the fact that the motive by both the police and from Manfred West make absolutely no sense. The motive given by the police and their court docs is that Manfred West killed Joe Vogler in an accidental, uh, robbery gone wrong. Basically, he showed up to his house, he robbed him, and there was bullets exchanged, Vogler, um, you know, ended up getting shot. The problem with that is that when the police investigated at first and went back to the property and over and over again, they report repeatedly said in every document that's ever been released or put out or any public statement that there was no sign of forced entry, there was no blood at the scene, there was no sign of a scuffle, there was no marks on the ground, there was no tire marks, there was nothing. Um, Jack Coghill who was the lieutenant governor of this state and somebody that's very respected across this, this area. Um, he is on camera in an interview that was done in 1999 for um, a documentary where he says, I do not see a way for Manfred West to have done this alone. 
I do not believe that he did it. He was a two-bit criminal. This was one of the... And he he says, this is one of the most perfect extractions I have ever seen. It was like Joe Vogler was picked out of thin air by his hair and just carried off of the plane. It right, didn't, right. It, none of it makes sense. And and again, the dogs being drugged, the being put inside the house, the fact that this was a guy who had tens and tens of ounces of gold in his home, which were all part of his estate after the fact. So none of that was stolen. The only thing that the police attempted to connect to some form of stolen property was a single like point-and-shoot camera that Manfred West's, like, roommate or some shit had, and they tried to claim that that was a camera that Vogler owned, and so he stole that from the house, but they were never able to prove that, and it's like, well, it could be any camera. It could be the same model camera. camera. Right, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. You don't really have a way of proving it. Only one person has a Ford, like, uh, 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 fucking focus. It's like, come on, dude, what are we talking about? And then, on top of that, there were UN documents that were stored at Vogler's home specifically messages and and letters that he had sent back and forth to the, to Ali Khamenei as well as letters that he had sent to like the French ambassador and things like that to try to get to speak at the UN um there are multiple AIP members at the time who I got to talk to during this whole making my thing um who did witness these documents they saw them they looked at them Vogler showed them to the members of the party at one of the conventions and went over everything with them um all of those documents were missing right after his death right after the investigation by the cops none of those documents were ever recovered from the home and in fact um those documents did not exist until again in the public view until 2020 when they were released under the UN archives and became public record. And so um, I have on my desk over here a copy of that UN document um, that that was not supposed to see the light of day again, in my opinion. I don't think they ever wanted that document out again. It lays out basically exactly how the feds fucked us, exactly the legal argument for why we should have a revote. Um, and like, you know, I'm not entirely on board with the politics of the AIP. I'm much more libertarian, obviously, but the the facts is the fact is is that I think the AIP is just under the brand of libertarian, and they really should be viewed that way. And I think that a lot of libertarians and uh, anarchists and uh, even just really hardcore conservatives, people like that, they just sort of ignore Alaska. Like it just gets it's off the radar. Um, you know, I, I, you know, one of my favorite things to do is to go to, uh, you know, third party accounts on Twitter, caucus accounts on Twitter, um, and just type in the word Alaska and search on their Twitter feeds, see when the last time they mentioned anything to do with the state was, um, pretty much non-existent. Most of those groups, um, pretty much doesn't matter. They, the, this place gets ignored and, the government wants it that way. The reality is the feds want this place as a vacation destination and as a giant bank account. So if people keep ignoring it and they don't take note to what's going on up here, then like they can kind of just continue doing what they're doing. Not really, uh, to, you know, uh, take any flack for it. But you know, the reality is, is that it's a benefit to everybody in the United States for this state to gain some form of independence because of oil, because of resources, because of scarcity, uh, you know, 
if I had my druthers, we would be selling oil to China and Russia and the United States, all of them. Uh, this state is a perfect example of what could be an oil superpower, uh, you know, and instead it's a literal just uh, warehouse for the government's toys. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, you know, it's a giant piece of land where they just stick shit and leave it there, which is really depressing because when you do visit here, you're like, it's such a beautiful fucking place. And there's not a ton of people, so you're like, man, this is just like a perfect little spot. But it is, um, it is, uh, it is a little bit, you know, underneath all of that. There's a a layer of federal overreach that just is not present in other states. Yeah, I believe. Um, you know, this the kind of the clutches that the federal government has on Alaska are really only comparable to maybe Texas because of obviously the civil war and restrictions that are, you know, they kind of get a look at them because of what happened previously. So they'll always kind of have a stigma with them. Um, I feel like it's similar up here where, because we're separated and the feds know, no one really pays attention to us. Well, you can kind of do whatever you want up here. Uh, it's the reason why the largest underground uh, explosive that's ever gone off on the planet was blown up here. Right. Um, you know, Amchik Island, uh, it was a five uh, kiloton or five megaton, whatever the equivalent is, uh, nuclear bomb that was detonated underground. Um, Alaska's a lot, you know, Alaska's a lot like, um, like the reservations out in like the West where it's just like the feds don't fucking, they're like, I don't know what goes on out there. <laughs> well, like... <laughs> the, the one difference I'll say is the, there are a lot of native corporations here, and it's one of the worst things that ever happened in the native community here is that they made these corporations. They went the same route as uh, the Native Americans. There are some native groups in this state that are still independent who still count on themselves. I think a lot of libertarians also kind of ignore the native populations here because they see it as sort of the same as the native, uh, native Americans in the... Um, the rest of the U.S., but the living style of um, of Alaska natives is very different. It was almost, in a way, sort of, dare I say, sort of communistic in the way of, like, it was all community trade-based because you live in these areas where there is no supermarket. You, you produce your food for your little village, and then the village next door might have access to different food. And so you're going to have to trade, you're going to have to bargain, you're going to have to do these things. So it was, it, it, you know, there was always a market involved with the, the native groups, but once the government got involved, it went the same way as the reservations, you know, the welfare programs and right. um, taking it over the schooling, which is a big part of it. Um, the next story to the two next stories I'm covering on the channel that I'm making similar docs, like the one I did on Vogler, one of them is this Christian Snyder girl who uh, went missing down here and she was a member of that cult Nexium. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. She actually went missing in the town I live in. So, oh shit. Uh, her vehicle was last seen here, well, and this is where a car we know, was found. We know what happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, hers is a weird one because she went missing in an area in this city, a city that I live in, where because I live here, and the other people who are making these documentaries and shit about her don't. They don't understand where she actually went missing, and I'm going. Yeah, that's a very convenient spot to go missing because right. if you wanted to disappear, one of the ways you would do it is you don't want to get seen getting into whatever it is you're disappearing in. And True. she went to an area that is completely off cameras that connects directly to the ocean that happens to sit right next to where the docks are for the rest of the city. 
And so my one of my theories that I'm going to be putting forward in it that I've already written is that this girl might have known she was into some weird shit with this cult. And if she did, you might want to try to get away from those people. And it might be very difficult to do that, especially if you look into what Nexium was into and the right. money that was involved in that group. One of the ways you could do that is if you had a boat leave the dock from Seward here, and then you just took a kayak or raft and caught it while it was out, while it was heading out of the dock system, you could get on that boat without anybody ever knowing that you got on that boat. Like there'd be no evidence right. of it. There's no camera footage out there. There's no people to see you. It's like you could literally just get on the boat and disappear and change your name, get rid of your documentation, just vanish. I mean, and not only that, but you can leave Alaska from here and go to other countries. So it's like you, know, you could, if you got a big, if you got a sailboat or a big fishing boat, you can just leave, leave. Um, and then the other story is, um, is a little darker even than a disappeared woman. But, um, it goes back to the native stuff, which is, uh, in, from the forties to the sixties, there was a hospital in Sitka, Alaska, that was uh, treating tuberculosis, which was brought um, primarily by Yukon miners in the early 1900s. It became a real big problem in the native populations. And up until that point, the natives had a way of curing TB. And I know people hear that and they go, well, that's not a thing. It is. There were hundreds of recorded cases of this happening in the Alaska native communities. They had their own ritual medicine and they were curing tuberculosis. Um, but when... A bunch of white people showed up, frankly. Uh, you had a bunch more of tuberculosis brought into the state very quickly. Yeah. And um, so a lot of those natives were forced to bring their kids to these Western hospitals that were run by the government at the time. And in the case of Sitka, Alaska, and the hospital I'm going to be writing about, they took 138 children who died from tuberculosis, and they did not report it to their families um, they didn't report the deaths. They didn't report the causes of death. They didn't even bother to record the people's names. Uh, they just took the bodies, assigned them a number, and threw them into the bottom of a disbanded World War II bunker that was sitting in Sitka and filled it with dirt and concrete. And um, it wasn't really found out until about 15 years later. And the reason I came across it was because I was reading through all of the cords from... Um, the governors of the state to the feds. So just like whatever emails they sent to this person. And I came across Tony Knowles, who was a governor of the state in 1999. Um, he wrote to the federal government stating that he became aware that there were 138 unmarked bodies in these buildings and that they were wanting to expand the uh, airport in that area. And that by expanding the airport, they would have to exhume the bodies and, he had uh, hired uh, a guy with the native village, uh, with, with the native tribe, to help try to identify who the people were. And then uh, it didn't happen. They didn't remove the bodies. From every piece of evidence I've been able to find, those bodies were not actually removed. Sean Parnell attempted to get them removed. The feds refused to pay for it. It became a political football issue, and it bounced around. In 2012, that airport was expanded. And... Right now, I have found zero evidence that those bodies were ever moved before that airport was expanded, um, which means there very well could be 138 dead native kids under the Sitka airport, well, um, yeah, which is wild. a 
bit of a bit of a you know uh indian burial ground story but it's yeah for uh, sure pet cemetery like but that's fucking wild dude that's fucking yeah crazy. it's crazy when i was reading about the stories of some of the parents because i went into it very unemotionally you know just reading about kind of the whole story and then you start reading about like oh no like when when the Japanese attacked the Aleutian Islands, like the United States government, the feds just took all the fucking Aleutian natives and put them in camps. Like they put them in concentration camps yeah, like, yeah. and they gave them horrible fucking diseases and horrible fucking, uh, issues. Um, they had, they had, you know, kids getting moved over to other camps and separated from the families and shit. And then on top of it, when your kid did get sick, you got to worry that if you send them to the hospital, they're going to throw them in a pit. You know, it's like, this is, you know, so it's, 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 it's going to be a darker one, but I'll try to make it, you know, a little yeah. interesting. So I'm kind of working on the Christian Snyder one first, um, because that one I think is going to be a little more true crimey. I think people will probably like that one a little more. Um, it's a little lighter. Whereas, yeah, a little, <laughs> little lighter. Um, but there's, there's some other ones. There's the Alaskan Avenger. Who's a, Dude, that, guy's, that guy rules. Yeah. And that I, rules. I, yeah. There's a mad lad that uh, Count Dankula made on him, but I do want to make a follow-up to that because there's should. some... The, that guy did kind of, like, change his life in prison. That's something a lot of people leave out of that part of the story. Yeah, fuck that. Um, he was being... He was doing the Lord's no, work outside of prison. <laughs> I don't disagree, but, like, he, he went, like, religious and stuff like that and talks a lot about, like, okay. violence not being okay and, like... No, but he's wrong with that, though. I do think he's wrong. I do. <laughs> I do think he's wrong uh, recently, that. there was a guy who just like i was just listening to it a uh, salty cracker did a video on it just a few days ago a guy beat a pedophile with a shovel 15 or 20 times and get this the finishing blow was delivered by a moose antler <laughs> and i went fucking he killed somebody with a fucking moose antler that guy, rips, dude. That guy that guy that guy was using like fucking uh uh punisher like fucking fatalities <laughs> like, it's like... oh i have a knife that's uh that's my favorite knife it made me think of that but i have a knife that, that there's a knife shop uh like guy who's made knives here in alaska since going back to 50s and his son runs the place now they're called herb campbell knives if you look them up they're like insanely hard expensive but the uh, um I have one of his son's knives, which are nowhere near as expensive. <laughs> but I do have yeah. family members who have the actual Herb Campbell knives, and those things are so fucking cool. Because <laughs> it was old school making knives, and so it's like made out of a bandsaw blade. Yeah. And like just steel. indestructible. Like, yeah, and it, yeah. yeah. It's like adamantium. <laughs> yeah. The one that I have his son made is a, is a uh, truck spring. Made out of a like semi truck spring. Oh, that's cool. And it's dude, this thing's made out of like the steel hardness is like once this is sharp, you can't sharpen it again. <laughs> like you're right. just done. <laughs> like, it's, but that thing's like uh, it has a moose antler handle on it, and I'm like, that's cool. like you could stab somebody with this with the knife end. If I turned it around and tried to use the end of the antler, it would be pretty difficult. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty fucking cool though. Uh, Dude, I got I got to wrap up. I, no, I, I got to go. But um, dude, that was fucking t uh, super interesting. Uh, anybody goes get for the whole full story, go check out your YouTube channel for sure. But uh, hit hit everywhere they can find you and your stuff. Uh, yeah. So outlawthoughts.com will take you to the. Oh, actually, you know what? I think I changed it. Outlawthoughts.com should take you to the YouTube channel. It'll either take you to there or my blog. <laughs> but uh, and then um, 
if you just go on YouTube, search Outlawed Thoughts, that's where it is. It's at like seven, six hundred views now, so it's doing okay for what I wanted it to do. I'm hoping the second one does a little bit better um, as I start kind of rolling these out. Uh, and then follow me on Twitter, which is at Liberty Layton. Boom. Uh, awesome, dude. Thank you. That was fun. That was fun as fuck. Always fun hanging out and talking to you, dude. All right, everybody. Uh, come see me do comedy on the road and go listen to the Cult of Us podcast, uh, youtube.com slash Cult of Us. Outside of that, it's been fun. Layton, you're the man. Everybody else, peace. I'll see you Sharon's guys a nerd. Here. Sharon is a nerd. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Find Adam on social media, Twitter and IG at Adam Nutter or Facebook and TikTok at Adam Nutter Comedy. And for podcasts and merch, check out www.droptent.com. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. This has been a Drop Tent Media Production.